welcome to Eat the Scroll podcast, where our host, Prophetess Bridget Barnes, will inspire, stir our hearts, and provoke us into cultivating a delight for the Word of God and prayer. Her hope is that the listener's mind will begin to perceive both God's Word and prayer as vital necessities for their lives and receive His healing holistically as they grow into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Join us now for today's episode. Again, I want to welcome all of you to this episode of Eat the Scroll podcast. I am Bridget Barnes, your host, and I am excited to be here with you, and I hope that you are excited as well. So with all that said, let's get started. Tonight or today, we are continuing our series on the Word is a Lamp Unto my feet. This is part five. And the subtitle to this podcast is praying to God to help us live and finish well. We will in these eight verses of the fifth stanza of Psalm 119, we will embark upon those eight verses, which is constructed under the Hebraic alphabet of Hay. It is one of the letters of the heavenly name, setting it apart in a greater way than the other alphabets. It is associated with the Hebrew month of Nisan, which is the first month of the spiritual year and the seventh month of the physical year. The theme of that month is redemption. We are right in the middle of Nisan as signifies for us all a season of redemption, a season to spring forward, of course. It is the fifth letter, which is symbolic of grace and the breath of God, uninhibited and indignant praise to our Father and our Lord, meaning also to behold and to gaze upon. We will see in our portion of Psalm 119, this stanza, including verses 33 and 40. So we will now be looking at verses 33 to 40, verses 33 through 40. The central theme is that the Lord is able to teach us his word. We can ask him to help us walk in obedience of his word and that he would continue to increase and cultivate our love walk. Let's explore Psalm 119, beginning at verse 33. The psalmist begins with a confident and direct petition to the one he knows is the divine master teacher of all things. There is always present a posture of humility and need for God to assist him during these psalms. We're, we're noticing that thread of brokenness and humility and an acknowledgement that he need God. 
for whatever he is asking of God. He knows that God is able to answer his request. Not sometime, but he's able to answer it all the time. He says in the ESV version, he says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statues, which is, he's saying, will you teach me your way of life that you have established for all of us? And it continues, and I will keep it to the end. He said, teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statue, your way of life, which you've already established for us to walk in and live in. And once I know of it, I will keep it to the end. That's with each and every one of us. If we know what God's commandments are, if we know what the word of God is saying, that helps us keep it. No matter what is happening, no matter what we're going through, until Jesus returns. Some reference scriptures in this uh, particular line is Matthew 10 and 22. And it says in Amplified Classic, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who perseveres and endures to the end will be saved from spiritual disease and death in the world to come. Hebrews 3 and 6, as we're going through this podcast, just write down the scriptures, take notes, and at your own convenience as you are led, go back and read and study these these scriptures. Hallelujah. Hebrews 3 and 6, Amplified Classic, but Christ, the Messiah, was faithful over his own father's house as a son and master of it. And it is we who are now members of this house. Listen, if we hold fast and firm to win, to the end, our joyful and exultant confidence and sense of triumph in our hope, in who? In Christ. And also in Revelations chapter 2, verses 26, Amplified Classic, and it says, And he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who is victorious and who obeys my commands to the very end, doing the work that pleases me, I will give him authority and power over the nations. Let's move on to verse 34 of Psalm 119. This is where the psalmist asked the Lord for understanding. Give me understanding, he says, that I may keep your law, which to me, understanding helps us or gives us the know-how to apply what we know to our everyday lives. Then he says in the B part of verse 34, and observe it with my own heart to bring it together. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it, it being God's law, with my whole heart. Two words highlighted for me in that line is one understanding. He's saying, give me the ability to discern your word so that I may be diligent in considering it and take heed of it, which taking heed of it means to obey 
his word. The second word highlighted in that line is observe. Here also means to watch and guard it, meaning watch and guard his word. We can look at scriptural references First, Proverbs 2 and 6, in regards to that Amplified Classic, it says, For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He's not asking for the understanding that comes from man. He's saying, God, I need your understanding, the wisdom, then skillful wisdom that has intention, that has been set for a special need to come from your mouth, giving me the knowledge and understanding so it would help me keep it, observe it, observe it and keep it. James 1 and 5, Amplify Classic. It says, which is a very familiar passage to many of us, if any of you is deficient or lack, which we all do in some area or another, in wisdom, let him ask. This is what the psalmist was doing. He was asking the one who is wisdom. I'm continuing with verse 5, and it said, Let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproach, or you can say without rebuking or fault-finding them, and it will be given to him. But it is those who realize I lack wisdom in a particular area and then go to wisdom, which is our God. And the word tells us if we ask him for it, hallelujah, he will give it to us liberally and without grudge, without rebuking us, without being critical of us, and he will give it to us freely. Psalm 119, verse 35, we see that the psalmist asks, Lord, lead me. And it says in verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. The two words that's highlighting in this line, in this stanza, is number one, lead. The NAS, NASB version says, make me, which is like cause me to walk. Cause me to tread or cause, cause me to march on the pathway or the straight way that your commandments give us. Lead and guide me to your expected end for me. This is what the psalmist was saying. This is what we should have in our heart when we cry out to God for help uh, because we really need, we really recognize, I need you to show me, Lord. I need you to teach me. Lead and guide me to your expected end for me. Obedience, we need to realize, has great consequences from the Lord. Psalm 107 and 7 says, Amplified Classic, He led them forth by the straight and right way that actually led them to a city, it says, that they might go to a particular place, a city where they could establish their homes. God knows the way that he leads. This is where the psalmist even talks about that the steps of a righteous man, a man that is in right standing with the Lord, 
is ordered by him. Psalm 25 verses 4 through 5, Amplify Classic, show me your ways. O Lord, teach me your paths. You have a way and you also have a direction or uh, instructions on the way to go. Verse 5 says, guide me in your truth and faithfulness and teach me once again, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, you only and all together, hallelujah, do I wait expectantly all the day long. He is saying, my attentions are, are turned towards you, Father. I know you are the answer. I know you have my way and my direction, hallelujah, is in your hands, and I'm waiting on you only all together in competency with great expectation and hope all the day long until you speak, until you show me your way. The second word is delight. The word means to have pleasure, to take pleasure in his word. Delight is also connected to having a desire to keep and please the Lord by obeying his word. Psalm 1 verses 2 and 3, and I am from this point, uh, will not mention Amplified Classic unless the translation is different from the Amplified Classic in this episode. So verse 2 says, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. Now look at the outcome that is showing when a person has delight and a desire in the law of the Lord and take time to meditate on a, in a habitual way, ponder over it, and study what God's intent is about it, both day and night. Look at the income outcome that verse 3 shows us, and it says, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water. We know whoever lives by water is a very prosperous place because water provides life. By the streams, firmly planted and tended by the streams of water. Water brings growth. Water nourishes. Water hydrates. Water causes us to produce. Listen what it says. Ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Hallelujah. Verse 36, we now move on in Psalm 119. The psalmist here asked the Lord to guide his heart. I'm reading, yes, all of the psalm verse by verse in this stanza, fifth stanza from the uh, English Standard Version. And it says, incline my heart to your testimonies, which his testimonies is God's divine will for mankind. Hallelujah. And it says, and not to selfish gain. I'm going to bring that verse together here. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain 
gain. The selfish gain represents the opposite of God's will uh, uh, for the person's own will. It's saying, hey, I value my own will, my own desire above God's will for me. Two words in this line. First, incline. It's a Hebrew word that means to turn and influence. He was saying, please, Lord, turn my heart. Influence my heart to be turned towards your commandments and your divine will for my life. Let's look at a few scripture references. It's what both of them will include. The two references I have for you will represent two positions to the Lord. The first one is found uh, in 1 Kings 8 and 58, which will reflect just like the psalmist was saying, help me to turn my heart to you, Lord, and your ways. 1 Kings 8 and 58 says that he may incline our hearts to him, turn, influence our hearts to be turned to him. To do what? To walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his precepts, which he commanded our fathers. We are not exempt from the word of God that was given even before us. Hallelujah. Our forefathers in the faith. From generations back, they have not changed because we live in the 21st century. God still, his expectation and his desire and his requirements is that we trust him to keep his commandments. And after in the New Testament with Jesus and grace and the Holy Spirit and a new nature in the Holy Spirit living in us, and living among us and is our teacher and comforter leading us into all truth, the anointing and the enablement that we can walk it out, hallelujah, in a greater covenant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that he provided for us now to walk in his commandments and his ways and to be able to keep his commandments, not in our own might, but by his spirit and the process of maturation and the other petition he's saying, uh, the, the scripture reference is showing where the psalmist in Psalm 141 in verse 4, he's asking, incline his heart to not submit to evil. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Incline my heart not to submit or consent to any evil thing or to be occupied in deeds of wickedness with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties or dainties. Don't let me take part of it, Lord. Incline my heart, influence my heart away from evil, away from being occupied with focusing my mind on wicked deeds and hanging around men that what they do is focus on the work of iniquity. Let me not take apart. Let me not come into agreement. Let me not eat of their fruit. Help me, Lord. In opposition to turning toward God, is following one's own desire. And this is represented in the B part of this particular verse, of verse uh, 36 of Psalm 119, where he mentions selfish gain. Selfish gain here means covetousness. 
to gain uh, uh, by means of violence or dishonestly, to gain dishonestly or unjustly or what the phrase, if many of you have heard, referred to filthy lucre or profit. That means you made a profit, but it's been through dishonest practices or unjust gains. Hallelujah. And the scriptural examples of warning us not to walk in this path of unrighteousness first is coming from Luke 12 and 15. And it says, and he said to them, guard yourselves and keep free from all covetousness, the immoderate desire for wealth, the greedy longing to have more for a man's life does not consist in and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. We should not be consumed in seeking or becoming greedy and covetousness and our desires is just after striving for more, more, more abundance of material things, even above our needs. He said those things that are immoderate are past moderation. First Timothy 6 and verse 10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all evil. It is not money within itself, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Saying that if you love it, it's only going to produce or lead you into deeper evil. It is through this craving, this is a lust word, craving, that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many acute mental pains. With that kind of striving is weighty. It can be really weighty apart from the Holy Spirit because it's not of the Holy Spirit. You find yourself in your own mind just striving. You'll run out of yourself just mentally and physically and all of it emotionally trying to feed uh, the beast or the lust that you lust after, after money because you have a love of money. And that being rooted in the love of money, creating havoc in your life and opening you up, uh, opening us up to sin to try to get it or accumulate it. And then on the other end, the reference scripture, he encourages us in Hebrews 13 and 5, uh, and it also will, I know, increase our faith to remain uh, faithful in God and remain uh, keeping our faith in God and not in, on the arm of our flesh or other, uh, depending on other men and natural things, which represents the temporary. It says in verse five of Hebrews chapter 13, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I, listen to this promise, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. 
I will not, I will not, I will not in any way decree in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not with exclamation point. Now let's move on to verse 37, Psalm 119. This verse, the psalmist asked the Lord, guide my eyes and direct my eyes. And it says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Two words in that line. The first one is turn or direct. He's saying, cause my eyes to pass over, to pass through, or to pass by looking at worthless things, which again represents temporary. Those natural things, those things that are in the flesh are temporal things. On the contrast, he says, give me life. Revive me. Restore me to live the life you have for me, one that is worthy, not worthless. One that is worthy, not worthless, which is a life of righteousness. Hallelujah, which is God's way. And it represents the spiritual and the eternal. It's eternal in nature in every aspect of it. The scripture references here is Isaiah, the reference here is Isaiah 33 verses 15 through 16. And he says to his people, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, who despises gain from fraud and from oppression, who shakes his hand free from the taking of bribes, so he has a clean, he has clean hands, he has a pure heart, and who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes to avoid looking upon evil. Verse 16 says and gives the outcome of a man who walks righteously. Such a man will dwell on the heights. His place of defense will be the fortresses of rocks. He said, I'm going to protect him in the high place. He will be above this evil. He says his bread will be given to him. I'm going to provide him in that place that I provide for him. I'm going to provide for him. Uh, uh, water for him will be sure. He is guaranteeing that everything that you need, I will support you in that high place, that, that dwelling place in the heights, away from danger, away from evil. Your fortresses will be of the rocks, your defense. Psalm 119, now verse 38, the psalmist now asks the Lord, can you confirm your word? It says, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Two words here in this line, confirm, which means to establish Establish your promises, he's saying to me. 
We should be saying that in our prayers, God, your promises are your word and all of your promises are yes and amen. Establish them in my life, accomplish them and set them firmly in my life. Make them tangible before me. Scripture reference, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 25 and 26. It says, now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word you have given as to your servant and his house and do as you have said. That reminds me of scripture that God said, remind me in prayer of my word. And we should be doing that. God, you said this. You promised this. Can you, will you, not can you, will you do it on my behalf and behalf of my household? Hallelujah. Make it, establish it, and confirm it, and accomplish it, and make it tangible. And it says in verse 26, and your name and presence shall be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be made firm before you. Establish us as your people, Lord. Establish your church within the land of the living. Keep your hands upon your house. Keep your hands upon the body of Christ so the world will know, hallelujah, that your name and your presence is magnified within it and over it so that it produces. He's saying, show, establish your word. Show, establish your promises so it produces reverence of who you are. First to us, that that we would have a reverential fear, an awestruck and awe-inspiring fear of God, of who he is, that he is well able to accomplish everything that he promised, but also those who are watching afar and near when they see him do it for those who are walking righteously before him. Another uh, scriptural reference is Psalm 112 and 1, and it says, Praise the Lord, hallelujah, bless, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who fears and who re- reveres and worships the Lord. This is talking about reverential fear, awe-inspiring, all being awestruck <laughs> by seeing God, being interacting with God, praising him for his, who he is, his goodness, his greatness, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his ever-present existence and essence who delights greatly in his commands because if we delight his commands, it is a direct, a direct expression of our reverential fear and worship for our God. Psalm 128 verse 1 also says, Bless, happy, fortunate to be envied is everyone who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who walks in his ways 
and lives according to his commandments. Not what society says is right and deems right, but what his word says that this is what I require. This is what I bring pleasure in those who walk according to my way, according to my commandments. Psalm 130 verse 4 also says, but there is forgiveness with you. It's stating that God, you're the only one that can forgive us when we fall short of your glory. We, mankind, humanity, it says just what man needs. You are the one that provides, hallelujah, forgiveness of our sins, forgiveness of what we have done, what we, we have the potential to fall short of your glory, hallelujah, in the present and even in the future as we are crying out, God, we repent of our sins and iniquities and transgressions, word, thought, or deed, knowing you promised that you're just and faithful to forgive us. The, the, the psalm continue in verse four. He says, but there is forgiveness with you just what man needs that you may be reverently feared and worship, that we would be so dependent upon you because we know you are the only way to you through your son have resolved us from our sins. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but gain everlasting life, but showing that we reverently fear you. And in that reverence, it's worship because you're worthy father of our Worship Psalm 119, verse 39. In this verse, the psalmist asked the Lord, turn away the disgrace, really, that comes from my sin, comes from us falling short, comes from our disobedience. And it says, turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. He turned around and made a pronouncement. I know I have fallen short and I, I dread what comes after. Hallelujah. When I fall short for your rules are good. He pronounced it after he know where he has fallen in his weakness. One word here, reproach or disgrace. It also means contempt, scorn, shame, and taunting especially the taunting of the enemy or we could say the torment of the enemy when he really has an open door to accuse us when we are walking in unforgiven sin, unrepented sin. Because of our disobedience, the psalmist says, I dread what comes after that, the shame, the taunting, the torment of the enemy of my disobedience to the word, your word. He's saying, remove my reproach against you for I reverence you and the outcomes of my disobedience I dread. Remove it away. That also the outcome, the shame will be removed. The, the, the scorn will be removed. The contempt will be removed. The torment will be removed from me. Remember David as he cried out in Psalm 51. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Not according to I'm so good, but according to you're so good. According to the measure of your agape towards me. He said, according to the multitude of your tender mercy and loving kindness blot out my transgressions in verse 2 he says wash me thoroughly and repeatedly 
from my iniquity and guilt and cleanse me and make me wholly pure from my sin. Verse three tells us, for he said, the psalmist David said, for I'm conscious of my transgressions. I know where I have fallen short and I acknowledge them. I repent of them. My sin is ever before me. And that's, that's letting us know your sin being ever before you and the accuser taunting and the scorn and the shame that comes from it. Only God can wash clean. Only God can remove. And it says in verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence. He said you have a right to penalize me, but I'm crying out for, for you to have mercy on me according to your love, according to your tender mercies and your loving kindness, hallelujah, and your faultless in your judgment. He's saying that because he recognized you're a just God and you cannot not be just, but I'm asking for mercy. I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins as I, as I am repenting before you and you alone. In verse 9 in Psalm 51, he said, hide your face from my sins. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And he said, and blot out all my guilt and iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew. He's asking for restoration. He's asking for turn. This situation that I'm in, this shame, this contempt, this taunting, this dread, turn it around. Renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me through forgiving me. Hallelujah. Giving me, making me, uh, causing me to have peace with you once again. And be in right standing with you. And verse 11 said, cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. He's saying, I want to be able to worship you. I want intimacy. I don't want distance. Remove that which have distance between me and you, Father. Oh, don't cast me away from your presence. Because you are a holy God. And you are not in the presence of sin. In verse 12, he asks, restore to me the joy that comes from my salvation, that only comes from you, and uphold me with a willing spirit. He's saying, listen, uphold me, strengthen me, that my spirit is always willing to obey you and walk rightly and righteously before you. Only you have provided, only you can bring that kind of peace into my life as a believer as I repent. But those that are unbelievers, the only way that you can experience the peace that surpasses all understanding and be reconciled back to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And acknowledging you are a sinner in need of a Savior and he is the only one that can forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If that's you, humble yourself right here. Hallelujah. And repent of your sins and receive Jesus in your heart. Hallelujah. As Savior and Lord. The Bible says if you do this and confess it with your mouth openly that he is Lord and he died for your sins and God raised him up on the third day that you shall be saved. 
Do that. Confess that before the Lord. And if you've done that, even in this moment, in the midst of this podcast, and you've been touched, what God has provided through his loving kindness and tender mercy, through giving his only begotten son so we can have a way out of this, only through Jesus Christ, only through his love that surpasses any kind of love our natural parents can not even compare to God's love for you and I that he made a way. And in our closing today in this episode, Psalm 119.440, the last verse of the fifth stanza, we are here where the psalmist asks again as he asked in verse 37a, he asked God, revive me, restore me, bring me back to life. He asked once again in verse 40 and it says, behold, I long for your precepts. He said, I'm longing for your instructions. And he says, in your righteousness, give me life. Two words I long for in referencing back to the third stanzas in verse stanza, verse 20 in Psalm 119. It says, my heart is breaking with the longing that it has for your ordinances and judgments. Not sometimes, the psalmist says, at all times, his heart is breaking with the longing for them. And the second word is the phrase is in your righteousness. In Psalm 119 and 149, he says, hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord. Quicken me, revive me, restore me, and give me life according to your righteous decrees. This is my prayer for us today. That is, we continue to humbly go before the Lord and ask him for what we need to remain in right standing with him. Matthew 7 and 7 through 8, a very familiar passage that Justin, I'm paraphrasing, it keeps saying, keep asking me, keep seeking me, and keep knocking on the door. It says if we keep doing this, we will in due season receive from him, we will find him, and the door will be open to us. God can answer any petition, any supplication before him any intercession on behalf of others and any prayers if we only ask we're going to have to open our mouths and know our God through a continued intimate relationship that we know what his word says and we know our God is faithful hallelujah on his own name on his own word he stands his word says we have not because we ask not Let's not stop seeking his word and praying his word back to him. Hallelujah. Reminding him of what he has said, knowing that all his promises are already established. Hallelujah. So we don't find ourselves asking amiss. We are after answer prayer. Prayers from our spirit and from truth not prayer from our flesh and selfish gain and out of covetousness, 
and out of greed, but from a heart that is in right standing with our Father. Father, we come before you right now in this moment and we give you praise and we honor who you are over all of your creation, that you are Elohim and you are El Shaddai. You are our king forever, which is Jehovah Melech Olam and our father and Adonai, our Lord. And we thank you for allowing us to search out fresh revelation and fresh wisdom and truth that is only found in you and only found in your living word. And thank you for your loving kindness and tender mercy towards those who belong to you, those who you have called unto yourself, those, hallelujah, in the mighty name of Jesus that recognize we are in need for you all day, all the time, that we could do nothing apart from you, but all things are possible to him who strengthen, strengthens us. So this is why we thank you for your son, Jesus, who is who willingly laid his life down to make the acceptable sacrifice for our sins. We thank you for always being a father, a loving father, a faithful father, a father who is able, hallelujah, to go exceedingly above anything that we are asking or seeking you for, even right now, every time, hallelujah, that we call upon your name 365 days a year, every hour, every week, every every second, every minute, and every second, you hear us waiting to hear our voices, waiting for us to come to you as children, asking a father that we don't question we belong to you, nor do we question that you love us, that you will provide what we need even when we are not aware of what is best for us. You always knows what is best for your own children. So Father, as the psalmist asked you in our text today, we ask you the same for us. So Father, God, will you teach us your word? Will you give us more understanding and greater wisdom? Will you lead us in the pathways and straight ways of the straight way of righteousness? Will you guide our hearts to be turned to you and your word always? Will you cultivate a fresh delight as we seek your face and seek your presence and seek your word diligently, a fresh delight in your word that we may have a greater desire to obey you in every way? Lord, will you direct us? Will you turn our eyes from worthless things of this world and send revival into our hearts and revival into the spirit of our minds to walk this life out in accordance to your ways? We are not like the children of Israel just looking for another act that you can perform because we know you're able to perform miracles and do the impossible. We want to know your ways and know you even in a greater way in this hour. Oh God, so establish your promises in our lives in a tangible way, in real time, that we may increase in our reverential, worshipful, all-inspiring all fear of your almightiness, your I amness, and your sovereign rule over all creation. And Father, as we come before you, in this moment, we repent of our sins where we have fallen short of your glory in word, thought, or deed. And we ask you, Lord, to remove the shame and disgrace 
the taunting, the tormenting, the scorn, hallelujah, that comes along with disobedience against you and you alone, hallelujah, that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that you will revive us, renew us, restore us back into right standing with you. Only you, Lord, gives life. You are the giver of life, and you are the sustainer and keeper of our lives. We know you've heard our prayers, and we ask that you would grant us our request. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. <laughs>